Welcome, welcome everybody to the Ed Fernandez Show. Thank you for watching. I have my guest here, Ruth Fernandez. Ruth, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me again. This is again. Um, so you're a entrepreneur, mm -hmm. X5 Naturals. You're the CEO there. You're the COO of 1031 Crowdfunding. Mm -hmm. You're an author. Mm -hmm. You're a public speaker. You're a consultant to businesses. What made you write this book? Well, uh, the book came about uh, when I was in Cabo. Um, I was just spending time with the Lord, and he said, I need you to write a book. And I was like, well, what do you mean? I've never written a book. I don't know anything about it. So he said, just let me guide you. I want you to talk about the covenant that I made with Abraham. And that's how that book came about. And so we have this book here. It's called Prosperity is Not Luck. It's Your Birthright. You know, I have a lot of questions here for you, but let's start with this. Mm -hmm. I understand the motivation, right? God told you to write the book. But why do you think the church and people have such a tough time or a misunderstanding of this subject? Well, I feel that uh, money is, is a spiritual thing. Money can uh, transcend, countries can transcend uh, atmosphere, honestly, because you can be in South Africa and by me saying something about you, it will affect your money on the other side of the world. So I wanted to talk about prosperity in the sense that uh, it's not just material things, it's not just about money, but it is a, uh, it's a condition of the heart. Prosperity is something that um, is not just about what you can buy, but it's a wholeness in spirit, meaning um, healing. That is essentially what prosperity is, spiritually, physically, and financially. In your book, you kind of define what prosperity is. And most people think when you hear the word prosperity, everyone thinks it's all about money. But it's not just about money. What would fall under the category of prosperity? Uh, forgiveness is prosperity. Uh, wholeness in spirit is prosperity. Friendship is prosperity. Um, being uh, a blessing to people is prosperity. So I feel like the, the taboo about prosperity is that it's been attached to one angle of who we are, which is monetary compensation and it's really not about that um prosperity just transcends way more than money if that makes sense it does it makes complete sense and i think i think you know sometimes it, it's just hard to relay the message that is so simple but i believe that there's a spiritual um darkness that is clouding over the message to create this deception that it's not okay to be prosperous as a lover of Jesus. Do you kind of get that sense too? For sure. So uh, Jesus never preached about prosperity. He preached about kingdom, and that kingdom comes with a culture, and it's a culture of, of prosperity, right, spiritually, physically, and financially. 
So I think that the word prosperity has been so abused in the church uh, for self-gain that I feel like as the body of Christ, we're like so burned out by it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when you give it a perspective of the true intent of how God designed it, prosperity to be within the kingdom concept, it breaks all barriers, right? And it breaks all um, uh, perceptions that you might have attached to the word prosperity. Would you agree? Yeah, Because no. a good marriage is, is prosperity. Duh. Right? Good relationship with your children is prosperity. So it's how it's been packaged in the church that has been, um, been such a turnoff for the unbeliever, even the believer. Yeah, so... You know, what would you, what was your personal journey with the concept of prosperity? Like, how did you how did it evolve all, over time? Especially, you know, in the context of the church teachings, because we've been married almost twenty seven years now. Mm -hmm. We didn't start out like this, and I I remember. Oh, we kind of did though. We kind of did. You think so? We never had a spirit of poverty. Ever. That's true. Right? So, it just didn't manifest. Well, we were we had a whole lot of healing to do. Again, part of prosperity is wholeness of heart, right? Yeah. We were so broken. And mind you, we're still broken, but we st we're walking our healing. But I I believe that you and I never embraced a spirit of poverty. No. Even when we were homeless and we had no money to our name. We never, ever either, even acted like we were poor. Nope. We never uh, made it our identity. So as far as I'm concerned, we always walked in prosperity. It's just that the money part kind of caught up to us later. Yeah, see, when I, when I answered your question, the first thought that came in my head was money. Mm -hmm. So if I just tied it to money, I would disagree with you. Right. But when you put and define it the way you've defined it, I would agree with you. It's just we just caught up to the money now, right? Because uh, poverty is a, it's a heart condition. You can have a lot of money and still be poor in spirit, right? So it's just, again, redefining what prosperity is in the kingdom of God that makes all the difference. What was your personal journey? I mean, how did we, how did we get here? I remember... You know, let's talk about the personal journey in the natural. Yeah. Right. Even though you and I never, I remember shopping at the swap meet. Yeah. Right. And always looking good, even yeah. though my clothes were cheap, I still looked good. So, cause I never, I was always bougie. I guess you can use the term bougie. I just feel like your environment didn't define your calling. Your environment did not define your calling. So that's good. Right. If you, if you uh, yield to your environment, you're going to be poor, period, right? That, that'll be your, your, your identity. That will be uh, the end of your road. That will be uh, the extent of your striving to be better. I'm confined to this box, and this is where I'm at. You and I never confined to our surroundings. We never did. We always wanted better. We always wanted bigger. We, always, we were always givers. So, I, again, I, it takes me back to uh, poverty is a heart condition. You use the term poor. Mm -hmm. So just like prosperity, mm -hmm. oh, money. Right. 
when you hear poor, oh, the lack of money. Right. When you say poor, are you talking only about the lack of money or is that a deeper thing? It's a deeper thing. Uh, Again, it's a spiritual thing. And what I mean by that is that a lot of reason as to why people are not experiencing the money part of it is because they're holding on to spiritual things such as unforgiveness, resentment, Mm. strife, jealousy. All of those unspoken iniquities hinder uh, money getting to you. And not because God doesn't want you to have it, it's because your your heart is not prepared to do what it needs, to, what money needs to do for the kingdom of God. You know, and, th- and that just goes right into the next question. Like many have a perception that poor equals humble. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, really? Yeah. Um, That's also genetically modified gospel. Because, GMO. Yeah, it's, it's not true. Explain GMO. Genetically modified gospel. Every gospel is, see, there's only one gospel that Jesus ever preached, mm-hmm. which it was the kingdom gospel, right? He never preached about salvation. He never preached about healing. He never preached about prosperity. All of those things happened because he represented the kingdom. Got it. Right? Yeah. When Adam fell, he didn't lose heaven. He lost dominion, dominion over his environment, Right. So uh, Jesus said, uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven has arrived. Repent only means to change your mind, to turn back from all behaviors and, and, and acknowledge that now you have, through Jesus, you have access to the original plan of the Father when he created Adam and Eve, which he was, uh, go forth, multiply, subdue the land. We have authority and dominion over everything, again, because of Jesus Christ, right? So, uh, and this is what I tell you, uh, you driving the car you drive, it's just part of the kingdom culture. You have an access to what you have access is part of the kingdom culture. So uh, it's not that we are um, flaunting money out. It's just that me dressing the way I dress is part of my culture from the kingdom that I represent. Gotcha. yeah. That's good. You know, in Luke 19, you know, it, it, it talks about that Jesus came to get what has been lost. Yeah. Right. That's what Jesus came for, mm-hmm. to grab what has been lost and what has been lost. In the beginning, when the tree of knowledge of good and evil, mm-hmm. Adam and Eve sinned, what was lost was what? Their dominion. Dominion. Their dominion. And, and fellowship with, with the Father. So the kingdom of heaven uh, was colonized by the, king, by the earth kingdom, right? And the connection was the Holy Spirit. When Adam sinned, the Holy Spirit lifted. So communion with the Father lifted. And that's why he said, if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. Die doesn't mean in a physical sense. It means death in the spirit so by way of fellowship with the father so disobedience takes you away from fellowship with the father does that make sense it does so uh what we lost was dominion over the earth what we gain with jesus was dominion over the earth got it got it why do you think most do not preach this from the pulpit what what do you think because here, I'm, I'm going to digress a minute, yeah. right? From time to time, I read the comments. And unfortunately, someone said, 
I promise you he's stealing money from his church. You? We, yes. You don't have a I church. I don't have a church, <laughs> right? We, we have a business that generates the revenue that gives us the lifestyle. So we don't, we don't take donations. No one ties to us. We don't have a church. We don't have a ministry. We have a 506, 503C nonprofit, but that's, we fund it with our own money, right? And then we give it away at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Why do you? Well, and we also, uh, you know, let's not forget that we also support schools overseas. We also help with human trafficking and all of that is self-funded. We, self-funded. We don't, we don't raise money. We don't do any of that. It's all out of your pocket and mine. The reason why I bring that up is because do you think that ministers, you know, the Bible says do not muzzle the mouth of the oxen when he's plowing the field. Mm-hmm. So obviously the ministers, the preachers are making a living uh, based on, you know, people giving. And so do you think that that may be something that causes ministers not to talk about these things because it's a sore subject and it may hinder the giving? I mean, what what do you think? I think that there is a level of ignorance. And, and I'm going to ruffle some feathers. <laughs> Let's go. Because I... I believe that a lot of Christians talk about kingdom without any revelation of what the kingdom is. And I think that if pastors were preaching more about the culture of kingdom, then by default, the congregation will want to give and be a part of that economic system, right? Because obviously, God loves a cheerful giver. So if you if you talk about kingdom, you don't have to talk about giving and what, you know, you sow to receive if it's, if you don't make it transactional instead of participating into an economy that yields a return physically because we do live in a physical realm which it it's an economic system so mm-hmm. i believe that the reason why there's such a spirit or, or heaviness whenever preachers talk about giving again it goes back because it's a spiritual thing sure so the reason why people don't preach about kingdom is because they have no revelation of what kingdom is. Now, I just want to make sure that everyone understands we are not attacking the word of God and we are not no, attacking not these all. preachers, right? God bless them. You know, they need to do what they're doing and we, we, we support all that they're doing as long as it's the true word of God. But unfortunately, most don't get the revelation to be able to have the revelation to to preach. So, well, I, I, I'm sorry. I just want to circle back okay. because your question was, what is a GMO gospel? Sure. So if you don't have a revelation of the only, the only message Jesus preached, then by default it's your own revelation. And this is the reason why the word prosperity has such a taboo attachment to it because it's been abused by the GMO gospel. And the GMO gospel is created by... By men, by revelation, by, by acts, by actions, by uh, limited beliefs, by limited mindsets. So how do, I, how do I determine, you know, I'm, I'm a believer, I'm going to church. How do I discern a distorted view of prosperity from my pastor or from 
the church I go to or the ministry that I follow. Well, the Bible says that you will know them by their fruit, right? So, and in my book, I write about that. If your pastor is the only one prospering in your church, run. Wow. Because as the head prospers, so should be everyone else, Yeah. right? And I think that the, whether we have made uh, a mistake as a church is to see ourselves as members. Members don't have any rights. Members don't uh, participate. Now, kingdom citizens, uh, as a citizen, I have rights to my country, right, from my country and, and from my government. In the kingdom of heaven, is the same thing. But you cannot withdraw what you have not come to know. Again, the rights as a citizen. If you don't know the rights of the kingdom, mm-hmm. then you cannot have an expectation. So all you settle for is whatever the pastor gives you. And that's the difference, I believe. Yeah, I remember we used to go to a church a very long time ago, and we were young, you know, and 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 the guy was anointed, you know, he was no joke. He was but a I, great teacher. Great teacher, you know, um, haven't seen him in many, many years, don't know how he's doing, but I hope he's doing well, him and his family. But I remember it came to a point to where raising money, it felt like a charity event like, you know, PBS, you know, hey, call now and and donate so-and-so and get a free whatever to keep the network open. That's how it felt. Did, did you get that feeling? It felt like we were at a timeshare presentation. Horrible. I remember vividly that service. Balloons coming yeah. down. All that. And we left. Yeah, we left the church. Yes. We were there for I don't know how many years. Uh, we were probably there for like seven years. Long time, mm-hmm. and it was hard, mm-hmm. but we like it was just not the direction that you know we we believed in and and we had a revelation of because we were tithers, right? Tithers, we've always been givers, yes, but out of fear, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh my god, if I don't give my 10%, God is gonna strike me dead, yeah. or I'm gonna lose everything that I have, even though it wasn't much, yeah. I was scared of losing it, so I gave. Yeah, so the, biblically, the 10% is basically your taxes to that country. So you know how in this country we pay taxes? That makes you righteous and in right standing with the government, right? Yeah. Uh, it's the same thing in the kingdom of heaven. The 10% is just your tax. Everything else is an investment. Okay. So, and again, not many people preach about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we talk about, let's talk about some financial hardships. You know, 2008 uh, was no joke mm-hmm. for us. Yeah. It was, um, we were over leveraged. Yes. We were living in a house we could not afford. At the time we, yeah, I mean, we were making a lot of money. It's when we had a teamwork notary and we were raking it in. And we were buying cars, and we bought this house, and it was great. But then we decided to take a line of credit over a line of credit and refinance and refinance. And then the market crashed, and everything kind of went poof. How did that experience reshape the understanding and the principles of a cheerful giver? Yeah, I mean, it realigned um, my entire view of covenant because um 
I, I remember screaming to the Lord and saying, you said that you would rebuke the devourer for my <laughs> sake. <laughs> how did I lose my house? You know, how did I get my cars impounded? How did all of this happen? But again, uh, I was I was practicing religion. I wasn't practicing kingdom. Religion told me if you do this, that, and the other, then this happens, a transactional type of relationship with God. That's what it was for me at the time. Um, and then it brought me to my knees to where I had to get to know who he was as my father and what he has given me access to. And this is why I always say, I own nothing. He owns everything, but I have access to all of it. Uh, because whatever we have is not even for us. You know, it's just a tool for God to use on this realm to be a blessing to people. The heart. You talked about the heart before and the condition of the heart, right? Mm -hmm. Which was very, it's very, very important to understand, um, you know, the message, mm -hmm. right? This, this revelation. During that, you know, as far as the heart condition, you know, playing a pivotal role mm -hmm. when it comes to this, can you elaborate on this concept and how it ties into the overall message of the book? What, what condition of the heart ties into the yeah. message of the book? Yeah, the main one, and I think that 99% of the people suffer from this, is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness whole hands with resentment, and resentment will always hold hands with self-righteousness. Because it's what vindicates us. It's what justifies us, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I believe that the reason why people don't experience the breakthrough in their lives, 99% of the time, will be unforgiveness. And, and this doesn't mean that I am uh, minimizing what you went through or the reason why you're in the state that you're in. All I'm saying is that no one is worth your blessing. If it happened, let's get healed from it, forgive them, release them, and keep on going so that you can keep on growing. And, and I think that that is, um, that is the main condition of the heart that hinders financial blessings. You say in your book that prosperity is a covenant birthright. Mm -hmm. That as you're born underneath this covenant mm -hmm. it's your birthright it's not luck right explain that concept so the lord blessed abraham right the original covenant the first covenant um and since we have been grafted in god told him you will be a father of many nations uh, by us being Jesus followers, we have been grafted into that covenant. The reason why, even, and again, this is going to flare up some people. The reason why we pray for Israel is because we are honoring the original covenant that God made with his people and with Abraham, right? So as a believer, I don't get to debate um, my blessings or my responsibilities as a covenant member. Does that make sense? Yeah. So blessing, blessing, it, it is my portion. It is my covenant right. It is my promise. But with that comes a lot of responsibilities as well. And forgiveness is one of them. 
So it's not the devil? No. The devil has been defeated. So why do, why do we always blame everything on the devil? Because we don't want to take responsibility for our shortcomings. It's our responsibility. It's our responsibility. As, as a U.S. citizen, isn't your responsibility to be a good citizen? It is. Is it the responsibility or can you blame the government? The government for everybody does now. No, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, but again, it's a lack of responsibility for your own personal actions. So I'm not saying that the devil doesn't doesn't exist, but you have authority and power over the devil. And yeah. He has been defeated by the blood of Jesus. So uh, not to say that a, a weapon will not be formed, but it will not prosper. Right, right. You know, there's probably a lot of listeners out here that have gone through a lot of rough things in their lives, you know, uh, some type of abuse, um, abandonment, rejection. You were rejected. Mm-hmm. Talk about the rejection you experienced and what it took as a responsible citizen of the kingdom of God mm-hmm. to overcome that rejection so the enemy couldn't hold it over your head. Yeah. Um, I had to release. I had to release the person that rejected me. And I had to keep on releasing the people that I held hostage and responsible for that person rejecting me. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, you know, if we can get in, in, in if, if, so your dad, yeah. Right. Your dad rejected you. Yeah. And you blamed other people for having your dad around to continue rejecting you. So you had to you had to forgive your father and you had to forgive everyone else that was involved. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And 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 the thing about it that I talk about it in my book, rejection was the one thing that the enemy used against me to paralyze me. So whenever I sensed a hint of rejection, I would retrieve and go into my cocoon and not have anything to do with people. Mm -hmm. So I I had to, the way that I found freedom was that I had to release my dad. I had to bless him. And then I had to ask for forgiveness for my part in it. And then I had to release the people, even you, right? I even had to release you because I held you responsible for my father's doing. So anytime I had a hint of you rejecting me, I reacted. But it had nothing to do with you, but everything to do with the brokenness that I've been dragging for years. Right. So you said you said you had to release and you had to bless. Yeah. Those are easy words to understand. Uh-huh. But give me an example of releasing your father Mm -hmm. and then blessing your father for the audience so that they can kind of go, oh, that's what she means. I mean, to not get into, like, too many details, uh, me even having a conversation with him after I decided to release him, it was very, very difficult. But I I knew that it was something, an exercise that I had to go put myself through so that I could start building that bridge back to him. Right. Not for him, but for me. Got it. So then I would, and I talk about this before, I will send him for his birthday a pair of socks. And that was, that was me blessing him. Or if he needed something, uh, tires for his car, I will bless him. And it was, then he became part of my prayer. 
right, my everyday prayer, blessing him. To the point where before, on my when my dad was dying, he had, uh, I was told that he had a dream and he kept calling my name and calling for me. So I know that the Lord did something with him and I released him and I told him I forgive you and all of those things. Um, but that's what I mean in the practical sense. Sure. I, I released him, I built that bridge between him and I, and then I blessed him. So it takes work, right? Yeah. Um, it's not just something that you can just pray about. I mean, that's you included in your prayer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the Bible says that faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. So you had to work in order to increase your faith. But what I mean by work is you had to reach out to him. You had to send him socks. I promise you, you probably didn't want to do it. No. You, you didn't want to reach out to yeah. him. You, you, you didn't want to have conversations with him, but you did it, and then you had to control your emotions when you did that to make it genuine so that it started you on the path of forgiveness. And it cleared up a lot of space in my heart. Got it, yes. It just cleared me, like I can't even tell you, it just cleared up so much spiritual space that I could fill it with better things than mm. holding resentment towards him. It was like, okay, that happened. For whatever reason, God chose him to be my dad. So I'll bless the DNA and I'll keep it moving. Like, you know, and again, it goes back to not being defined by my circumstances. Your book promises to provide practical resources and transformative insight. Well, could you share a couple of key takeaways? I just did, silly. Well, let's let's do some more. Let's do some more. Let's do some more takeaways. Like, you know, I know you you went with your dad and you did that stuff with your dad, but that's not the only thing that you had to do. Let what'd you have to do with me? You know, there's an episode that we did, that for 15 years, I was a horrible husband. Mm-hmm. Horrible, right? You, you almost left me. I'm, I guarantee you, you had to practice those same things. Yeah. But it was way harder because you were, we were married. We had three kids, right? I was a huge part of your life. What key takeaways, and this could go for people who are married right now, what key takeaways using those principles did you have to do to get past it? Well, and like we spoke on that episode, I had to take responsibility for my part in it. The success of my marriage and the failure of my marriage, I had to take responsibility in it, right? Uh, I've always been a sower, always been a sower. So for me to sow what you needed was part of me standing and believing that God was going to come through for me, right? When I didn't have a house and our friends were letting, letting us stay at their house, I will clean their house as a way of sowing seed. So I've always sown seed for where I want to go. Mm-hmm. I wanted a house, I sowed into somebody else's house. I wanted a good marriage, I sowed a good wife. So those are the practicals. First off, take responsibility for your part in it. And second, how can you be a blessing? And in this environment, not for the person, but for you. 
your teachings in the book and the revelations of the book have impacted your life personally? What feedback have you received from readers who've applied these principles to their own lives? Um, uh, other than lives being transformed, businesses being birthed, uh, relationships being mended, uh, a deeper relationship with God. I mean, the, the list is endless. And again, no credit to me and all credit to the Word of God because it works. Uh, there's fruit in it. And I feel that um, we tend to overcomplicate the simplicity of who God is. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we do overcomplicate the simplicity. We try to make it more than what it really is. Yeah. The, the Bible is literature, mm -hmm. so we should take it literally, right? Lastly, what advice would you give someone struggling with the concept of wealth, prosperity, and faith, especially in the context of today's world? Well, uh, step number one, look at yourself. That's the step number one. Uh, look at what's weighing you down, what has been weighing you down, what's in your heart, who you need to release, who you have to forgive. And then from there, I want to say get into deeper relationship with, with God. Seek him, and he will give you everything your heart desires. And if it's wealth is your portion, then wealth will be your portion. But you have to, first off, make room in your heart for God to come and work and have his way because you cannot listen to direction from the father once you have the wealth um, if you're cluttered with junk you know there's and we'll, we'll close with this is when you say seek God mm -hmm. I, I remember seeking God in my worship time, mm -hmm. seeking God, reading my word. Mm -hmm. And I remember the Holy Spirit coming and making me feel good. And when I felt good, I thought I was good, mm -hmm. but I wasn't. Mm -hmm. Would you say seeking God is directly tied to the obedience that you have with God? I, I believe so. The word seek means to intentionally pursue. It's to chase after, to study, to learn. That's the word, that's the meaning of the word seek. People confuse that with encounter. You can encounter the Holy Spirit for five minutes. Th that, that didn't qualify as seeking. Seeking is a constant effort to chase after the one who created you. That's the difference. For me, I, my prayer is that I stay obedient. My prayer is that I keep my ear on his chest. My prayer is that I can be a channel of distribution on this realm for his kingdom. My prayer is that I can be the best ambassador that I can be for the kingdom of heaven and who he is. That is my prayer. So the practical takeaway would be that. 
When I say seek, chase after, find out who your father is, find out who, what, what kingdom you belong to, what country do you belong to, what are those rights, what are the benefits, what are the responsibilities, what is your part in it as an ambassador of Christ? Good answer. Thank you. Well, honey, thank you so much for being on the show. Hopefully this was fruitful for those that are out there. Yeah. I would encourage everyone to go get this book. And by the way, we don't make money. No, the money, the money that comes in, where does it go? To rescue women from um, human trafficking, and we fund our schools. We have over five schools, fifteen hundred kids that we support fully. So, not only would you get a revelation that is missing, but you're also going to help sex trafficking. Mm-hmm and poor kids in other countries that need stuff for schools. So thank you so much for watching, honey. Thank you for being on the show. Until next time, we love you guys. Bye. Father, we thank you, Lord, that this word would go out. And it would go out, Father, as an encounter for people to seek you, to chase after you, to follow you, to love you, to walk with you. And Lord, we thank you, God, for all that you have done, continue to do. And for everyone out there listening, Lord, Father, let the Spirit of God and let the fire of God fall right now in that room, Lord, that you would capture their hearts and their souls and take them, Father, and fulfill their destinies. In the mighty name of Jesus.